Welcome to the Stories We Don't Tell, a podcast about storytelling. Morpheus from the Matrix. You know, real philosophers, Paul. Right. Yes. I always forget, I always get mixed up between the red pill and the blue pill. The red pill you want to forget. No, the red pill you want to, you want to, you want the truth. He takes the red pill. Okay. The blue, I wonder what that movie would have been like if he just took the blue pill. I guess it would have been more of a short film. <laughs> well, it could have also been, you could have gone, and then it could just turn into Office Space. Yeah. You know, he just, uh, Office Space 2. Right. It'd be a great movie. Yeah, well, then that. at least they wouldn't have made those two shitty sequels. That's then. true. Although he would, but then he wouldn't have been like, what, like at some point later in Office Space Two, would he like dodge a uh, like dodge a flying printer or something right. with his sweet Matrix moves, or do you think he would just never get to do anything cool? I don't know. I, you know, and like Netflix is so weird because they last year they had on the two shitty sequels, but they didn't get the, the rights one? for the, for the first one. So I'm like. I actually, I, I like the first one. It's a good movie. But then I tried to watch the second two, and I'm like, these are just terrible. I, I, I think I have watched both of them when I was younger, but yeah, they were not good. No, they're, they're, it was just like somebody literally just saying, we made a shitload of money. How can we do this two more times? Oh, totally, yeah. They had no idea what they were doing. Yeah, and all that stuff of like, yeah, this is originally supposed to be a trilogy. Bullshit. I call <laughs> bullshit. I think they were just making it up as they were going along. Well, you know, they're. Uh, it's, it's, I think what's weirdly interesting um, is the difficulty of making a trilogy good, right? Because yeah. because you always write the first thing and you're like, this is great. I want I want to see more of this character, and then it's so rare. Right. How few trilogies are actually pretty good in the second and third that are not, you know, if books and movies and anything. There are so few that, that ever live up to what the first one was. Well, um, the if you, you didn't know this or not, The Godfather uh, Part 2 was actually the very first movie to be a sequel in that kind of way to say, like, this is The Godfather 2. Like, movies didn't oh, really? do that before. And a lot of people consider The Godfather 2 better than its predecessor. Well, I say I knew that, uh, but I, I, think that the, I think that the way that you set up sequels, or if you're trying to start running a trilogy from the very beginning, you do a lot of world building and like setup for the first one, which I think this is very hard to follow up with the second one. Yeah. You know, there's it's not too many where, that's, where you can manage to pull it off. Well, and everyone's too hard on The Godfather Part 3. Really? Yeah. That's a, that man. That is a that that, that we we ask hard. for comments at the end of this, and I really hope all our comments on this show are not just people telling, like, just being mad at us for liking the Godfather three. I'm on the record for saying it's it's it because we were just talking about sequels, and the reason why the Godfather Part two is as equal to the first one is because it's not just a repeat of the first one; mm. it's an actual continuation of the story, and the story evolves, and the characters all evolve. Which that happens in part three. Everybody just be nicer to Godfather part three. Wow. All right. Well, that's a bold. So actually, you know, that, I'm going to say bold, bold statement. Bold statement. The movie the movie is is 20 years old. I now. have not seen that movie, and I only know it's hated. That's how I know this movie. Uh, but see, what I, what I do like about this, Paul, <laughs> is that what you are taking is a what could be seen in in your past as a negative experience. Right. Um, seeing Godfather three, uh, but you've decided. 
that your narrative of The Godfather 3 is that it's actually at least a good movie, or maybe not a good movie, but not as bad as everyone thinks or says. Uh, and so you're really taking ownership of that part of your life um, yes. and, and, and turning it into a, a, into a good moment. Um, sort of like what the story we will be hearing later is on perhaps the smallest scale possible. Right. Especially when compared to what the story is actually going to be about. Yes, I would say that. I, I want to say off the bat that, uh, you know, in terms of uh, this season, we've been talking and reflecting about doing this for two years. I, I, I think uh, our storyteller today, uh, Vivek, he um, is uh, somebody that is it's one of the many wonderful things about doing this event is it's somebody that just came to an event. Yeah. So he was in the audience. And then he said, hey, I'd like to tell a story. And he became a storyteller. And then he said, hey, would you guys like to have an event at my place? So he's basically ticked all the boxes of almost everything you can do yeah. in, in, in regards to our event. And it's, it's, uh, it's just wonderful to see his excitement about being involved and our excitement to have him involved. And uh, this is a pretty incredible story from it, his past. Yeah, it's an amazing story. Um, yes. and, and it's, 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 we won't, we won't, we won't, uh, we won't blow it. Yes. I won't, it won't take all the things away, but we'll say no it's spoilers. A, no spoilers. Exactly. Um, no spoilers because, uh, I would like to say, did you know that the Godfather part three, the subtitle was the death of Michael Corleone? I didn't. Which kind of gives away the ending. <laughs> so they said, maybe we won't use that in the title. Mm. Just, a, just a little uh, insider information for you I mean, there. I, you know so much about Godfather but 3. I know a little too much about all the Godfather movies. All right. Uh, we'll have to do an episode about the Godfather movies. Yes. Uh, but no, so, in, so Vivek's story is, a, is, a, is what almost anyone would consider a tragic one. Yes. Um, and yet, and yet the way he tells it, as you were saying early on, it's, it's, it, it becomes this life affirming moment. Right. It becomes this life affirming piece. Uh, despite the, despite the, the truly, you know, uh, horrific content. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think this is, so, so we are talking briefly about how you can, you know, how you can take control to some extent through storytelling and, and mm. using storytelling and, and, and your own, of your own personal narrative and of how well things are going for you, quite honestly. Well, and, and there's something that really struck me, and I think you can hear it in not only the way he wrote it, but the way he, he presented it and, and everything, is that I think it's a common thing for people to say, oh, well, that thing that happened to me made me stronger or a better person. Mm-hmm. Or, like, I think that's a common way, you know, for people to deal with traumatic things that have happened and, and so on. But he is like a living embodiment of this. Like oh, yeah. there's not even, I don't feel like he is just saying those words. You feel that that is, he didn't just like make a decision right. that this is how I am going to perceive this incident in my life. He's just like, this is what happened. And this is what like almost his, like you'll hear in the story, his immediate reaction to dealing with this was, you know, I, I think, uh, very different than a lot of people would. Yeah, yeah, and I think it speaks to this. Um, look, what what what's, what if I, I was talking about this uh, maybe yesterday, like before, uh, about how about how stories and in changing stories uh, and changing your own the way you think about your own stories uh, really is changing your life. Mm-hmm. Really is, you know, like not in, in in that in that if you are uh, as much as, as much as your ability to, to understand and move forward with, with things, the, the ability to sort of take control of a narrative that's, that's happened to you, 
um, allows you to, 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 to move forward and to change and to change how you see it and how, how you've experienced something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's highlighted when you have stories like this, which are, which is really, which is already obviously going to be so life, uh, life affecting. Right. Um, but I think it can happen on a much sol- smaller scale as well. Mm-hmm. Um, in that, you know, if to some extent, if you can, if you can turn what you told yourself was a sad or angering story into a story that is, that, that gives you something else. Uh, you you will be a happier person. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and that's not easy, and that's and there are many things where that's not possible for, of course. Mm-hmm. But I think there's to some extent there is this ability to to own ourselves to own our stories in different ways, and right. and to find different ways to tell the stories both to ourselves and to the world. Yeah. So uh, with that, how about we we throw it to this. Fuck, I hate TTC. Unfortunately, I have to commute in TTC every day. However, there is a silver lining. The only good point about taking TTC is people never cease to surprise me in this wonderful city. I get to meet new people regularly and believe it or not, we talk. During one such TTC journey, there was a girl who came next to me and out of nowhere she asked, so tell me about your hand. Yes, just like that. No hesitation, no apologies. I was surprised. There have been many earlier who have asked me about my hand in the first meeting, but never so casually. One look in her eyes and I knew she was genuinely interested and she wanted every detail. Hence began my story. We went back in time. Back to 23rd August 1998. Imagine you are in a small countryside in rural India. There is nothing for as far as I can see, eyes can see. Few cars would speed by along the highway, breaking the silence every now and then. Out there in nowhere was a magnificent temple with few kids playing outside it. How's that? A bunch of kids shouted to the zenith of their merriment on successfully getting one of the wickets in the most celebrated game in India, cricket. While another prospective batsman paved his way to the pitch, yet another ball made its way into the obscure surroundings. I was a young boy standing at the edge of a lane, land, fielding in a more of a daunting manner. Pretty soon the group was out of balls, so each of the ball made sure to end in the farthest corner, maybe in the darkest of the bush or on the roof of the only building in the vicinity. At that very moment when we needed a saviour, came Aman with a pack of new balls. <laughs> my dad came out of the temple and ushered, to me, ushered me to take my silk shirt off to allow my body to breathe. He accompanied Aman's parents inside the building while they were explaining their, the reason of their delay, the reason for not being able to join the commute to the bus, uh, to the temple, a bus. The parents went inside and were busy offering their parents prayers to the gods. Little did they know that this day was not just another ordinary day. Aman came to the group as a hero, but in a jiffy, all the new balls found their way to the Neverland as well. The game stopped again and they needed, we needed another Masiya. Now it was my turn to shine and step up, uh, step up to fetch the balls from the forbidden territories. I was accompanied by few others, few other kids and we set out to seek the balls that fled on the top of the building. As we reached near the building, that was more of, more of a room, there were no stairs to reach on the top. Even the absence of normal way to reach the top could not astray me from my glorious path. With the help of human ladder, I reached the top and ignorant of what was waiting. 
Just as I got the balls, I saw an electric wire passing at some distance. I was cautious not to touch it, but in few seconds later, I was sucked by an invisible force, and then nothing existed in my memory. I was unconscious. As per the eyewitnesses, there were heavy sparks as I flew in the air and landed on the edge of the roof. Everyone panicked. It was much later that everyone got to know I was thrown by invisible fields of several thousand volts of electric current. The peculiar thing about electric shock is it burns you from inside out. The current penetrated through all seven layers of my skin and my bones were visible among the chunks of skin. One look was enough for people for causing fever, nausea, vomits and even multiple of those among people who were unlucky to witness the event fall so unquickly in front of them. I regained my like, consciousness momentarily after 20 minutes. When I was in the car, I hit my thighs like a maniac and I was unconscious again. My dad checked my pocket and there were coins burning in my pocket at that time. He stripped off my rest of my clothes to make sure nothing would hurt his, hurt his son anymore. Next, I woke up three days later and I learned that I had my first, first surgery on the first night. At first, I was not expected to stay alive by the end of it and doctors have definite, had definitely prepared everyone around me that I won't be in possession of all my limbs. Lucky is not a word that I should be using here, but yes, I was out of the operation theatre with just loss of one forefinger. It accompanied charred skin on many parts. My stay in hospital extended for two months, including two more major surgeries. The environment that exists in a burn unit of an hospital is real representation of human compassion and warmth. The patients not only go through physical pain, but they also, but their minds also get wounded by the very thought of deformities and the unnatural appearance that they will be, they will have to un confront for the rest of their lives. I got many scars, but I also got an injury that marked me for my happy times. My facial muscles could not react well to my demeanor when smiling. I was in possession of something trivial, melancholy yet beautiful, a broken smile as my friend named it later. It reminded me of nothing but the mere strength of love and affection which helped me to stand strong. During our entire stay in the hospital, my parents helped other patients and their family to cope up with the atrocities of accidents. That time, I got, gained many valuable lessons of life which many of us failed to notice. I understood that true, the true meaning, the real significance and the gift, gift bestowed to us in form of life, time, family, and most important of being a human being. In the burn unit, I was a little chap who was with his pleasing demeanor and unfathomable spirit wanted to bring smiles on everyone's face. When the cries of other patients echoed, when the cries of other patients echoed through the room during the regular dressing, I was the one who would sing a different song to the nurses every time. I was the one who would hold Anurags, our youngest patient in the unit, hold his hand for, uh, for his, our exercise of five steps. Those five steps that used to be our exercise as we learned to stand back on our feet. Those five steps that usually ended up being all bloody. There were numerous stories of love and passion every day in those 58 days. But from day one, I had somehow decided that I won't shed a single tear in front of my parents. But my tests were still not over. One day, the heat of all medications led to numerous zits in my head. And to cure the issue, it was decided to shave my head, eliminating all these zits along with the way. That time I cried a river. And to this day, I feel guilty. I was weak. 
I saw my parents break and cry along with me. My, sorry, my father's best friend had chosen that day to visit me. What would he think of me? What would he say to the outside world? Suddenly, there was an announcement. Downsview station. The train would go out of service at this stop. Please take all your belongings with you. You, we were both brought back to the present with the announcement. You are so lucky, lucky to be alive. She said and she went her way. And all I could think of was, am I? Even today, it is hard to understand whether it was divine intervention that saved me from a certain death or did it put me there in the first place? Were the prayers which happened during the accident being answered or were they just being ignored? Was it just a coincidence that my father took me, asked me to take my silk shirt off, which would have stuck to my skin during the accident? Or was it just a chance that one person could miss, would miss the bus to bring the car which would play a big role in saving my life? Perhaps the electric current that passed throughout my body was supposed to spare my heart, my brain or any of the vital organs. It was just supposed to conveniently jerk me off to the edge of the roof where I could be retrieved to be saved. The questions are many yet unanswered. Maybe I was supposed to be the muse between God and Satan, each trying to prove their claim over me. But be at, be it, be at his may, I live to tell my story. I am the one who survived to bring happiness into the imperfect world with my beautiful broken smile. Thank you. for listening to the stories we don't tell you can subscribe on itunes uh, where you can leave a comment you also can like facebook or our facebook page depending on how you feel you can visit stories we don't tell.org for more information this episode of the stories we don't tell is brought to you by the godfather part three come on everyone it's not that bad <laughs> it's amazing <laughs>